morning, church. We are so glad that you're joining us today on Palm Sunday. As you may have noticed, I'm standing here in our children's ministry building, and that's because I wanted to encourage you and remind you that in the same way that not being able to meet here physically on Sunday mornings has not stopped us from still being the church, not being able to gather here hasn't stopped our children's ministry from happening and thriving. Parents, we're still committed to partnering with you to invest in the next generation. We wanna make all of our resources available to you so that you can best raise your children to love the Lord. You can find those by going on our app or by checking out the Mission Kids Instagram page. You'll find links to the Big God Story and other resources that can help you disciple your students during this difficult time. Church, I also wanna update you on our Red Cross blood drive that happened about a week ago. We are so thankful for all of you that showed up and gave. We had almost 40 people come and donate. We were actually at capacity. We could not take on more donors because you were so ready to give. And so uh, for every person that donates, it impacts up to three people. And so that's well over a hundred lives that were impacted by your generosity. I wanna encourage you to check out our website at mbcchome.org and look at our events page so that you can stay up to date with events and, and outreach opportunities like this in the future. As we prepare our hearts for Easter next week, as we think about Jesus entering into Jerusalem on this day with the intention to give his life, to give everything for us, we have an opportunity right now in this moment to give back to him, to acknowledge what he's done and the ways that he's impacted our lives. And one of the ways we can do that is through our finances. If you click on the link below in the description, it'll take you to our giving page and you can do online giving because we believe that Jesus deserves it. We believe that everything we have comes from him and so we can honor him by giving a portion back. We've been going through the series Beyond the 52, looking at what it means to become the church. And so um, now as we anticipate this celebration of, of this pivotal moment in our relationships with God, Pastor Mike is going to bring the word to us and talk to us about what it means to be the church. Well, hey, I want to welcome you to Mission Vale Christian Church. We are online, and I am so excited about the message that God has put on my heart for us today. And um, maybe if you're new to MVCC, I just really want to encourage you that this is just a message, hopefully, that will bring a life-changing moment between you and God. Maybe at this moment you feel far away from God. And I just, I just want you to know um, that God loves you right where you're at, and He can change your perspective about everything. And I'm so glad that God has done that. I know that we are dealing, all of us are dealing with the new norm with the coronavirus that has been spreading. In fact, our nation is under pressure, a lot of pressure right now. We've been praying and asking God for many years, God, we just know that there needs to be like an awakening to the gospel of Jesus Christ. There needs to be a, a moment that we recognize, God, we are so void without you. Man, if there's ever an opportunity that our nation needs God, it is now. I, right now, we have this opportunity, this wake-up call, if you will, to fall to our knees, to rededicate our life to God, to get our lives in right alignment with God so that we can be under His blessing and under His care and everything that He designed. And I know that some of us are very concerned about our economy, very concerned about uh, our paychecks, but I just, I believe this and I have seen God do the amazing if we get our heart right before God, if we submit to Him and humble ourselves before Him, God is a God who can change things overnight. God can take care of the economy. He'll take care of our paychecks. He'll take care of what we need. He's more concerned about our lives being aligned with Him. And that takes deep, deep repentance of getting with God and just saying, God, I'm sorry. I've been so void of you, Lord. I, I thought I was following you, God, following you, God but 
there's so much more that I know that I, I need to be in just in alignment with you. And so I just want to encourage you that God is a God of grace and mercy and love. But it's, it's a moment that we can repent and get right with Him. And I just believe there's this huge blessing that God can bring, not just for our nation, but the entire world. This is, this is a wake-up call. So we've really called this series um, Beyond the 52. And this is just a study through First and Second Peter. I did not know in preparing this that we were going to go through the coronavirus extreme as we are. I know that we're living in a new norm. And so I just think that this book right here, this letter that first uh, that Peter wrote, First and Second Peter, is is a wake up call for us. They were going under undergoing persecution and opposition and a lot of suffering and a lot of fear at that time. The government was against Christianity, and so I think there's a lot of parallels that I hope I hope so much this is challenging for you. I hope it's encouraging, but I also hope it's life changing, a huge conviction into our heart. You know, I just saw something on Facebook uh, this week about there's portions of Italy right now that they're hit the most hard out of the entire world with the coronavirus. There are people literally that are falling to their knees, giving their lives back to Jesus Christ, praying to him, repenting, getting right with God. And if that's ever a picture, I think it's right now that we need Jesus more than ever. Um, You know, there's been a phrase that's been thrown around, the church has left the building. And that's true. Even though we're not able to meet here physically, I believe that the church people of God, that's really the church, we are the church, can be the strongest and we can take the biggest growth spurt in our walk with God right now. Even though we don't have a physical place to meet, Jesus is in our hearts and we definitely can be meeting um, online in life groups and Zoom and I want to encourage you to do that. What I want to read here in 1 Peter chapter 3, we're going to be verse, read verses 1 to 2. They are so powerful. It is so absolutely crystal clear. And I believe it's life-changing for our marriages, for our families. You know, if there's ever a time that people are watching Christians, it is now. This is an opportunity for us to get a really good, healthy checkup for our marriages, our families. If you're single and hope to be married one day, whatever capacity of relationship we find ourselves in, my hope and prayer is this text today is so applicable for us that it'll just read in any context of life. You know, when, when Peter wrote this book, as I had mentioned, the Emperor Nero was really on a hot trail to annihilate Christianity and take Christ- Christianity off the map. And the one way that he could do it is to kill Christians and throw them in prison. I mean, they were on a pursuit of following God, the God that was unseen in the moment that they could see the one that was in opposition to them. It required faith. It required their persistence. It required grabbing onto the Holy Spirit as close they could to follow Jesus in a world that was full of turmoil and opposition. When Peter was following Jesus with the other 12, there was a moment that Peter stopped Jesus in his his tracks. And he said, Jesus, I really want to get a handle on this forgiveness thing because you've been talking about love and mercy and forgiveness. So how many times do I forgive my brother or sister? Now, this is going to apply right to marriage because any of you that have been married for any more than a minute, you know there's times of tension there's times of of question there's times of opposition there's times of get out of my face you're bugging me right now and how many times do we forgive the person that we live with you know we're under the stay at home guidance right now and you know living under the same roof with our families can get tension filled there can be times of arguing and we just get on one another's nerves so how do we live in this tension 
where we really need to be forgiving. And that is where Peter asked the question, all right, Jesus, how are we going to do this thing? And I, I love Jesus' teaching. He doesn't pull out some great doctrine and slam Jesus or, or Peter against the wall and say, this is what you need to do, Peter. He says, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about a story about a guy who owned a company and he had employees under him. And this one employee owed him a great deal of money. I mean, a lot of money. And so he brings this employee into his office and he says this, you know that debt that you owed me? I know that you're stressed about it. I know that you're losing sleep. I know that it's causing tension at home. And he leans across the desk with his employee with this big smile on his face. And he says to his employee, your debt is forgiven. You don't have to pay any of it back. That employee was so stoked. He was so excited. He runs out of the office. He tells his family. He gets home. He kisses his wife and hugs his children. And this debt now is, is lifted from his life. But unfortunately, he goes to one that owed him money. And the story goes that he grabbed him, not because he was going to hug him and forgive him of all of his debt, he grabs him and he gets him in a chokehold and says, you owe me all this money, the debt I want you to pay me now. He missed it. The owner who was forgiven by his owner, he was forgiven of all of it. But unfortunately, it didn't sink down into his heart into a place of being humble and, and reverent and submissive. Instead, he he missed the point. If we as Christ followers miss the point of mercy and grace and God's love for us, that he's forgiven us of all of our sins, he's forgiven us of everything we've ever done wrong. If we do not have a heartfelt experience with that, if that's just academic and we miss the, the, the joy of meeting Jesus in the heart by receiving his gospel, receiving the fact that he paid his life he exchanged his life for my life. If that just becomes religion or religious and we miss the heartfelt moment of that, then we will forever live in our own prison and we will not be able to receive this text that I'm going to read in just a moment with joy and receptivity and with excitement of how can we live out the life of Christ even when it's the most difficult. If we live in a payback mindset, then we will miss the opportunity to love and serve Jesus with all our hearts. So it's with that, I, I hope you're with me in this, that we have received forgiveness with all of our things that we've done wrong. And, and now Jesus puts us in a place of grace and mercy and forgiveness. Now I can receive these verses, these difficult verses that he's giving to us. So he says in 1 Peter chapter 3, he says he is addressing now the idea of humility and submission in a family context. And so here's what he says. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without uh, words by the behavior of your wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your life. I just want to stop here for a moment and say that um, marriage is an amazing thing. And if you're out there and you're single or one day hope to be married or maybe divorced and want to be remarried or maybe you're currently married or maybe a spouse has passed away and desire to be married. Marriage is an awesome thing before God. God instituted this marriage. I remember 
when um, my wife and I got married, I, when I married Laura, I was so excited that we got to spend the rest of our lives together. And, and I just, I, I wanted so much, you know, to be with her and she wanted to be with me. And after we got back from the honeymoon, we realized that, you know, life sometimes is hard. Now there's bills to pay and there's pressures at work. And sometimes there's, you know, less money for the month of rent. And how are we going to pay for all these groceries? And there was just a lot of tension. And sometimes there was a lot of arguing. And we had to make a decision right there. Were we going to be more concerned when we were in an argument about being right or being in right relationship. See, if we're in right relationship with God and we're in right relationship with one another, then these verses take on a whole different perspective. Now, guys, we're going we're gonna to get to the husbands in just a moment, but I want to speak specifically to the wives, to the women. When my wife and I um, early on in our marriage got in an argument, we were focused more on what the other person should be doing Hey, you should be submitting and you should be loving. And we were really focusing on what we weren't doing. Rather, we came up with a phrase in our marriage. And for 31 years of marriage, I can tell you that this brings us back into alignment. Hey, do your own verse. I mean, sometimes we'd be in an argument and we look at each other and go, hey, do your own verse, Mike. And Laura, do your own verse that I'm supposed to, as we'll get to here in a moment, love and care and be very sensitive to my wife and to her needs. And in the same way, she's submitting to God and submitting to the authority that God gave in marriage. So there's there's three markers here in this text that I think we can pull out if you're taking some notes. God is encouraging the woman right here in a context of marriage, number one, to watch and be very careful of her actions. He's also telling her to be very, very careful of her attitude. And number three, who she is admiring in her life to be a godly woman. So so let's just just paint some background here. Um, The background here, the context, was that women were in a lower class society. Women were seen as property. They were seen as, uh, saw as uh, being owned by their husbands. So it was very difficult in that context, in that first century, to be a woman and to be a wife. And so that's why he says right from the gate, God says, wives, I want you to be submitted to your husbands and to their authority. Now, here's what it does not mean. Submission does not mean that women or anyone in a submissive relationship is inferior or less valued than anyone else. I believe it takes a very strong person to choose to be submissive and to be humble in any relationship. So let's let's just talk about what the Bible is teaching here in a good marriage relationship. And let's remember the reason for all this is people are watching our marriages. People are watching our families. And if we can display a godly um, um, context of marriage, it might be an attraction for others to come into relationship with God. So he says here, I want you to be very careful of your actions. Why does he say that? He's saying that for the woman, I want you to be humble in respect of your husband's authority and their position. Let's face it. There's no guy on earth. There's no husband on earth that's fulfilling all of the mission of Christ in their marriage. So if the wife is constantly looking at her husband and what he's not doing, what he should be doing, then it's going to be very difficult for her to submit to his spiritual authority. But if she's looking at Jesus and submitting herself to his authority, it will certainly be easier for her to put her under her husband's spiritual authority. Why does Peter address this? The context of this is, 
we got some guys out there who have married Christian wives who aren't living the Christian life. And so for them, they need to see what a Christian, what Christ really can do in their life. And the best way to do that is by action. Let's, let's take it for a moment of a non-Christian guy married to a Christian woman. And um, what's his perspective when he sees her? Well, she's always at church. She's got these weird Christian friends. She's always listening to her Christian music. I thought when we got married that we were supposed to be the one and only for one another. But now there's another guy who she loves and his name is Jesus. And she says she loves him first. I thought I was her number one. When she goes into my car, she's always turning on the Christian station. I mean, you can see maybe from the perspective from the husband that there might be jealousy and a lot of confusion. And, and, and so he's saying here, don't tell your husband to become a Christian. Don't say you always should be going to church with me. You should read your Bible. You should act more loving. He's saying through the pen of Peter, I want you to love him and show an example to him of humility and therefore he will see Jesus in you. I was um, one of my favorite authors. His name is William Barclay. He's just a great historian about biblical truth. And he says this, silent preaching of a lovely life. Silent preaching of a lovely life. I like that because our life matters in what we do, not so much in what we say. And that's just a truth for all of life. I mean, whether we are in the workplace, whether we're in school, whether we're in a boyfriend-girlfriend relationship, it doesn't so much matter what I say. It matters what I do. My actions matter. And I think that's what the Bible is telling not only Peter, but he's telling for us here today that actions are everything. So I want to encourage the wives out there. Yeah, be patient with your husbands. Love them. Don't, don't nag them about Christianity or nag them about coming to church. Show how much Jesus has changed your life. And the best way to do that is to be having an attitude, the actions of submission and humility, which leads to number two, having an attitude of humility and submission is, is everything. So let's just pick it up here in, in verses um, three and following. So he's giving more counsel to the women. Your beauty should not come from an out, not only from outward adornment, but such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold and jewelry of fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. For this is the way the holy women of the past put their hope in God. They used to adorn themselves. They submitted themselves to their own husbands like Sarah, who obeyed Abraham and called him Lord. So let's just stop here for a moment. And they said, you know, attitude is everything. There's nothing wrong with adorning um, ourselves with, you know, fine clothes and, you know, makeup for women who do that and all that stuff and doing their hair. That, there's nothing wrong with doing that. But we know that the true beauty doesn't come from outward. It comes from the inward recesses of the heart. Let, let the beauty come from the inside. So he's saying an attitude should come not from what we put on as outward, but it should come from the inward heart. And he gives some examples. You know, even in the Bible, um, the Song of Solomon talks a lot about how a woman can beautify herself and the adornment of gold and sandals and all those things. Even in the New Testament, the, the, the prodigal son story says that the, the father ran to the son when he was coming home and put a robe and 
and ring on his finger. So there's nothing wrong with wearing nice clothes and having nice things. But that's not the focus. Um, the focus is from an inward spirit, the attitude of her heart. I will tell you that in my own marriage, um, it's, it's the, inward, I, the inward spirit of my wife. I love the fact that she loves God with all her heart. And that is how she wants the alignment of her heart to be. You know, there's a great scripture in Proverbs 31 that talks about um, a wife of noble character. I just want to read a few verses. I think this is awesome for a wife to hold on to. A wife of noble character who can find. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing her food from afar. She gets up uh, while it's still night and she provides food for her family and portions for her female servants. She considers a field and buys it out of her earnings. She plants a vineyard. She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the task. I just think that it just goes on and on about how she is beautiful from the inside out. And that's what I think God is trying to say, that you want a loving, passionate, on fire, just amazing marriage? Then, then women with a humble, submissive spirit, not less than, not a doormat, but there has to be strength from Jesus Christ to humble herself before God and humble herself before her husband. Which leads to number three. I think he's saying very clearly for the women to be admiring of those in her life that she wants to be like. So he gives examples. There are women like Sarah, who was submissive before her husband, had a great marriage. And that really means that sign there. We're not asking women to go home and call their, women's, or their, their, their husband's Lord. That's not what they're saying. Hey, why don't you call me Lord, Lord? That would be cool. No, that's not what they're saying. But that was a context, a specific time of the day. And that word Lord really means respect. You know, they've done studies of what men in marriages and even um, dating relationships really want. The number one thing that men want is friendship with their wives. And the second thing they want is they just want respect. And so what he's saying here for women is that we, they respect their husbands. And um, you can ask God about the best way to do that because every guy is a little bit different. Um, and I think there's just a way to put all this together. And so he definitely doesn't leave out the guys here. Let's, let's get to this um, last part of this section. Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner as heirs with you in the gracious gift of God so that nothing will hinder your prayers. I, I love this because what he's really saying here is, in Ephesians chapter 5, there's a cross-reference there in verse 21. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Of course, we know that church means people. It's not the building. Jesus loved people. He loved people in such a way that his actions proved it. When Jesus, the night before he was to go to the cross, he went down on his hands and knees and he washed the disciples' feet. He went to each one of them and washed their feet. That, that to me is one of the greatest acts of love besides his death on the cross, that he laid himself down on the cross, that he was saying, you are the most important thing to me. I will lay down my life for you. That is the essence of what he's teaching for husbands. 
Husbands ought to love their wives, be considerate with them, take into account how they feel. So this is how this works in everyday life. The question is not women submit, wives submit. The first question is, is a husband going to love his wife the way Christ loved the church? I I found in my own marriage that my wife would love, she loves to run to my spiritual authority in the home. The more that I'm loving her and I'm expressing my love through my actions. She will run to not only submit to my spiritual authority, but she will be in a place of safety and security emotionally in my marriage if I'm loving her and laying down my life for her. So this is how this works. Let's say that two women are, are two, um, a husband and wife are in marriage relationship and they've been there all day at work and it's been a really long day and she gets home first and he comes home and the first thing on his mind is, man, I want the ESPN on when I get home. I want a meal cooked. I want my house to look nice. I want a full glass of lemonade and I want her just to rub my feet and just be in service to me because she's supposed to submit. It doesn't work that way. That kind of mindset, guys, will forever be frustrating for us. We will forever be living in a home with tension and arguments and just all this friction because we're wanting to get something from our wives. It's not the way it works. Here's the way it works. If he's willing to go first, if the man, if the husband, the head of the household is willing to love and serve his wife and children, then there will forever be peace and harmony in that home and most of all unity. So here's the way this works. When the guy gets home from work, she's, let's say, home early, and she, he gets home, and uh, his, the first thought on his mind is, hey, I don't, I don't need to be served by her. My first thought is, how can I love and serve and take care of my wife? So when he opens the door and he crosses the threshold of that doorway, his first thought is, oh, wow, it looks like you've had a really long day. Let, let me, you know what? Let me take the kids. We'll go to McDonald's. We'll go to the Playland. We'll have happy meals. Why don't you go up and draw a bath and just relax? Because I know you've had a really long day with the kids or if she's been at the workplace. Hey, you know what? I'll go out and get some takeout. I'll come home. Why don't you just relax, honey? And I'll bring dinner home. Hey, let me do the dishes tonight. You know, let, let me vacuum. And it's not that it's all one-sided. It's that we respect one another But here's the key that I found in marriage. And I think this is the principle that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us today. Who's willing to go first? Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Be considerate with them. Then she will love to put herself under the authority of her husband. Because she knows that he would never have an ulterior motive He would never have an agenda that wasn't anything other than helping her be the woman that God intended her to be. But what if it was reversed like Peter is saying here? What if she comes home to a husband that's not sensitive to her needs, that's not caring for her, that's not a servant in the home, that doesn't take into account love and care and safety and all those things? God is saying, I still want you to be submissive to his his respective role as a husband. Now, the question is, what happens if he's asking her or forcing her to do something that's unbiblical? If he's leading the family into an unbiblical path, does she still need to submit? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. The word of God comes first and the mandate of God comes first. But through her love and submission, we're hoping that he will become Christian and he will see 
that Jesus Christ is real. So our actions, our attitudes, and who we admire, it means so much. You know, when I first got married, I made a commitment to myself and, and to the Lord that I would forever be a Lauraologist. And what that means is it, I have to study her life. I want to study her. I want to get to know her. I want to know what makes her tick. What is her dreams? What are her aspirations? What are the things that she wants to do with her life? It's not, life is not all about, well, this is what the family is doing. They're all following the husband's dream. I think it's much to the opposite that he looks at her and studies her and he gets to know her. He knows that in this context, he's saying, you need to see her as the weaker partner. That doesn't mean that he browbeats her. She's less than. It's very much, very much to the contrary of that. I think what he was saying is know that she's physically not as strong as you. And therefore, you are sensitive to her. You are considerate to her needs. So here's some things, guys, that we ought to do. Honey, what are the things that, what are the things that really get your motor going in life? What are the things that you're passionate about? What are the dreams? What are the goals? What are the aspirations that you have? What do you, what do you want our kids to be like if this is the context of life? What do you want our kids to be like when they move out of the house and they're done with college and they have their own families? What's, what's, on the, 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 what's in the recesses of your heart? Let's pray about those things. And I, I, I want us to be on the same page together. See, that's what it means to be considerate and loving and humble, loving our wives. So here... Let's just tie this all together. What are some action points? Number one is this. Is it more important? I want you to ask yourself this question. Is it more important for you to be right? Is it more important for you to be in right relationship with your wife? This goes for the wives too. Is it more important in an argument that I'm right and what I say goes? Or I want to be in right relationship so I'll humble myself. As a husband, am I willing to go first? in actions with my wife. Will I be willing to say, do my own verse, not you do your verse? Am I willing to say, I'll do my verse first? Am I, am I willing to choose to hang out with people who make me better? Am I hanging out with people that say, yeah, just divorce the bum. Yeah, just leave him. Or yeah, you should just, you know, you shouldn't, you should you just leave her. You can find a better fish in the pond. Or am I hanging out with people who are striving, challenging me? Hey, hang in there. Stay married. Find ways to love her. Find ways to honor him. Find ways to respect him. We got to be hanging out with the right people. And I just think to close all this together in Ephesians 5.21, and this is just a light verse for our family, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Am I willing to submit to her? Am I willing to submit to him? I don't always have to be right. I don't always have to have my way. But I found that joy and passion in marriage and, and keeping marriage alive and all those things. Guys, she doesn't want more things from you. She wants you. She wants your heart. She wants to know what's going on inside of your life. And so I just say, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Hey, I, I hope this has been helpful help for us. I hope that our marriage is going to be stronger. You know, accepting the gospel and receiving Christ is not just praying a prayer and receiving Jesus. That, that is the, the message of the gospel is grace. We receive Christ. We believe in him. We repent and, re and know him in, in a personal relationship. But it's, it's more than that. It's, it's following him now. 
And, and this, this place of marriage and following Him and humility and submission is where I believe God wants us to be. God bless you. I hope you'll pray about things, these things, talk about some of these things in your life group meetings on Zoom. And I hope this has been challenging for you. And we'll look forward to seeing you next week at MVCC. Thank you so much for joining us today. We are so glad that we got to spend this time together. Before you go, check out the links in the description. Click on our giving page or access our family resources through the app or through Instagram. And we are so excited to spend next week with you on Easter. We'll see you then, church.